This might be the most challenging jingle. I don't know. Just have fun. Zach, have fun. No matter what, it's going to be good. The Caroline Kowalczyk, life and career coach, and your host of the Unpurposeful podcast. Today, my friend Eileen Lee will be joining. Eileen is a former physical therapist turned acupuncturist and herbalist. Thanks to her mom, who is also a Chinese medicine practitioner, Eileen experienced Chinese medicine her whole life and its immense benefits. She's on a mission to spread knowledge and help people recognize alternatives and first new first lines of care to their recovery and health. Welcome, Eileen. It is so great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> me too, because um, we've known each other since a junior high school, which is amazing. Yeah. And who knew that we would be here today supporting each other? <laughs> highlighting it, some, like 15 plus years. It's yes. crazy to me. Yes, it's amazing. No, it's it's so cool to be here highlighting the cool things that we're doing and supporting each other in this way. And I really wanted to have you on the show because you are someone that ever since I've met you has always just kept it so real. And I love watching your expansion and education on social media with your acupuncture business. And I think that a lot of people are interested in what you do um, in Chinese medicine and acupuncture today. And I'd love to just dive deeper into, you know, what made you choose this as your career path and really just see where the conversation takes us. So thank you again for being here. My first question is pretty much that, you know, like what, what was it that made you choose um, this career path? Well, what's really crazy is that um, I think that it's funny you say that I keep it really real. I really appreciate that. That's, <laughs> that's something that really hasn't left me um, as an individual from a young age. I'm pretty much an OBS about a lot of things. So it's funny how I've kind of grown into that. So it's cool when someone sees that. I really appreciate that. And for you, same thing. Like you've always been a really motivated and encouraging person. So, you know, I don't think it's so much of a coincidence that we come together today to even talk about, you know, what I do, but also like what you're offering as well. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I love that. it. Well, I guess like to dive in a little bit about where I started from would be that I wasn't an acupuncturist from the get-go. I was actually a physical therapist. I went to PT school in 2007, all the way to 2013. And that's when I graduated um, because I knew that I wanted to help people with their injuries. And, you know, my whole life, I had a really deep admiration for the human body and also just at the vessel that we live in. And when I graduated from PT school, I had a really hard time pursuing or understanding like, well, well what specialty do I want to be in? Do I want to go into outpatient sports or orthopedics and whatnot? But um, I actually found a great love with pediatrics. And in that I had an opportunity to also dive into chronic pain research 
And while I worked in pediatrics, I also worked in geriatrics, which is with an older population. And what's been really exciting when I was a PT was getting to witness how we were born, how we decided to live, and how we moved on from this earth. And somewhere around the time where I finished my chronic research, um, chronic pain research at Boston Children's Hospital, this was probably about 2016, 2017. So I worked as a PT for about four years or so. I realized that I wanted to expand my skill set beyond just doing therapeutic exercises and movement and, you know, having just a psychologically informed practice as a physical therapist. But I also really wanted to understand internally what was going on with people um, on an individual level, because everything is connected. We're just not skin, muscles, and bones, but we are a mind and a spirit. And that we weren't just a disease or a condition, but we're also a pattern of our own lifestyle and conditioning. So I went to Chinese medicine school in 2017 for three and a half years. And during that time, I had to unwrap my entire way of thinking clinically and scientifically for a while. And um, it was really hard. I think that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do which was give up the idea that there was more than one answer or language or idea to medicine. And I graduated last year in a pandemic and I took a bunch of board exams and right around April, 2021, mid-April, I decided to start my own business. And here we are. Damn. Fire, 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 fire. I'm just hearing like... (laughs) I would say that's the short of it, right? (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. So much good stuff right there. I mean, first of all, congratulations on graduating (laughs) during a pandemic. I know that that's been, you know, going to school during this time, you know, not having that social connection and just... I would say routine of seeing people regularly in that way must have been really challenging. And then, then you started your own business, which is another congratulations, huge accomplishment. Uh, Well, the funny thing is that I didn't actually, I didn't actually plan to start a business initially. I actually wanted to work for someone for a while as an acupuncturist before I actually wanted to make that leap. Oh, Um, yeah. And I also, I guess just to add, I I picked up 13 years of my life in Boston where I worked, played, studied and everything. So I moved back home to Connecticut in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, wow. So it was, there was a lot of challenges, but at the same time, it was very um, rewarding. And Mm. I feel like, well, I don't know what could get worse than a pandemic. So (laughs) knock on wood on that one. Yes. And it it sounds like, you know, you've been very focused and just like, I'm really curious to hear about what was the pivotal moment for you to commit to that change of moving back to Connecticut and, you know, committing to graduating when you did and really just shifting careers because I love what you said about how difficult it was for you in regards to unlearning a lot of stuff that you learned. And I loved that you said, understanding that there's not just like one answer for things. So I'm just, I want you to unpack that because I think for a lot of people listening, you know, they're like, oh yeah, you know, Sometimes in order to go forwards, you need to do things that you might not want to do. 
And that puts you, you know, where you actually want to be. So I'm curious, like, what what was the determination behind that decision? Well, I've always had a lot of self-awareness as a kid, um, especially in my 20s, as I got towards like my mid late 20s. I realized that we as human beings were not just, you know, like a like a car, right? With an engine. We are a mind and a spirit and we're super fluid. Like we we can wake up one day super conservative and then the next day we're incredibly liberal beings, right? Especially when it comes to politics. And, you know, also a lot has to do with how we are constantly absorbing information. Um, especially through like social media, the people that we hang out with, the people that we work with. So for me, like on a personal level, I've always had that bit of self-awareness that like my life can change at any moment and that I wasn't confined to one career path, but that I'm a human being on this earth and I'm allowed to have multiple different types of works and, and careers. So I think that by keeping an open mind, and allowing myself to experience uncomfortableness Mm. in those things really allowed me to be where I'm at right now, which is really nice because it doesn't give me a lot of room to judge others. And that's something that I think we all do collectively as human beings. It's kind of ingrained in us that we're quick to judge ourselves and criticize ourselves and, you know, seek to be accepted by society but a big part of that is that we also need to be very forgiving about where we are in this world. Because right now I'm an acupuncturist, I'm a business owner, but again, that can change, you know, three, five years down the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that so much because it's all about figuring out what is it that you are innately interested in and feel like, you know, you want to do. And it sounds like this is something that you've really wanted to do. And you have a very interesting background being that uh, Chinese medicine was a part of your life since you were a kid. Um, So I'm curious to hear, you know, like what that was like for you and how that influenced your decision as well. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, I grew up with Chinese medicine. Again, my mom's an acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist. So I grew up drinking a lot of dirt and also <laughs> getting poked, <laughs> getting poked by needles. And sometimes it was wicked unpleasant. And other times I realized the value of Chinese medicine, but I was pretty stubborn about going into becoming a Chinese medicine practitioner. It wasn't my number one choice for a really long time. I think a big part of me was also like not wanting to become like my mom or or whatever, but I realized that, that, like I said, that rebellious, <laughs> yeah. you know, like don't tell me what to uh-huh. do um, uh-huh. and going down my own path. But I think that when that pressure wasn't there, I realized it was a very natural path for me to go down towards because I, my whole life, I've always enjoyed helping others. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we tend to want to live a life of purpose and everyone's got different purposes in life. But for me, it's about being able to give back to others. And there's nothing like, there's no amount of money that can, that could be given to me and be rewarded such that where I've helped people feel better about where they are in life. So for me, like growing up, 
Um, you know, I've, I've been sick with like the common cold. I've had a fracture too from sports. You know, my mom was always there with me with mm-hmm. the herbs and the needles. So it's a, I've been a great witness to it from a very young age, from childhood. And even while I was in college, you know, studying a ton, which, you know, and that was not very enjoyable. So, um, but my mom would ship these homemade brewed, you know, uh, Chinese herbal teas to me overnight. And I would be drinking it in my dorm. And all my friends were like, what is that? And I'm like, it's Chinese Tylenol. (laughs) Okay. It's Chinese Tylenol. It's homemade Chinese food. Okay. Uh, so, love. but every time I've, I've always felt great and my recovery is always great. Um, because we weren't a house that utilized a lot of pharmaceutical medicines growing up. Um, it, we, we did have it on hand and yeah. we used it when we absolutely needed to. Yeah. Um, but even then we would treat like those medications like adjunct. Yeah. First of all, thank you for sharing that because it was so nice to I was like picturing you in your dorm and like you know your uh your friends looking at you like what is that and yeah it's gold it's liquid gold that's what it is um (laughs) liquid gold for sure and so I'm curious what has been your relationship with Western medicine growing up? Because I know that obviously our parents have a big influence on us. And also you've studied and been in the field of Western medicine. You were talking about unlearning certain things, but also I'm sure using some of that knowledge to your new business as it is now. And so I'm just curious, what is your take on Western medicine. And I'm asking this because I feel like there is a a lot of um, polarization sometimes between um, holistic and Chinese medicine versus Western medicine. And so I'd love to hear your perspective and what your thoughts are. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I would have to say that when we speak about medicine, the usually the first thought we go to is Western medicine, right? We we tend to look at that as the gold standard to, you know, care, you know, if we're feeling ill with the flu or if we have a fracture, we go to our PCP, our doctor, right? That's what we do in States. I don't know about other countries, but um, at least, you know, pertinent to the United States, we tend to want to pick up the phone and call our internist or specialist. But for me, this is just my personal opinion that medicine is very cultural and medicine is just medicine. And originally when we look at medicine way back when, before all the pharmaceutical drugs, real medicine was about diet, you know, de-stressing, movement, getting sunshine. And when your doctor came like medications was usually a last resort before they were going to resort, you know, to the big guns. Um, What I love about Chinese medicine is that it's not typically someone's first line of care because most people come to me with pain and I'm really great at treating pain, but they are a witness to the fact that like I'm able to help mitigate their pain to help, you know, heal them of all their, all their injuries and patterns and, you know, their issues. But what's really cool is I, I also have opportunities to tell them, hey, you know, I also treat the common cold and I 
can help you kill that faster um, than DayQuil might, which can be really hard on our internal organs. And, you know, when you prime, when you prime patients' brains with that, helping them realize that, oh, well, you know, she's just not a, she's not just a pain specialist, but in a lot of ways that I'm a alternative internist as well. So like, yeah, your, your common colds, your flus, any of the symptoms that people might experience, especially like with COVID stuff like that, I'm able to help. I see a lot of people with GI issues, constipation, diarrhea, loose stools, and I'm able to help with them with acupuncture and give them a couple of herbs to help regulate their digestive. Because in Chinese medicine, digestion is everything. It is the North star, the reference point. Mm. Um, I even helped, you know, young women control their periods and regulate their periods. So they didn't have to resort going on birth control, like getting an IED or taking a pill. So where do I see, you know, Western medicine and Eastern medicine coming together? You know, like for me personally, being an acupuncturist, but also coming from the Western medical realm, the, uh, you know, the side of things is that I think there needs to be a balance. You know, I think that there's a time and place for everything where sometimes Chinese medicine can be the primary focus. And there are some Western, you know, medicines that can help be an adjunct to it and vice versa. Western medicine be the primary, you know, way of healing and Chinese medicine be an adjunct. You know, that's why I also promote a lot of, you know, where eats meets West, you know, alternative solutions for the modern human. Because when you're able to complement two medicines together, you're going to get a bigger net result in someone's quality of life and also in their healing outcomes too. Yeah. Oh, that was so potent. (laughs) I loved that because I think that it's what you said, like what I caught from that too, was that sometimes you get the patients where you, you didn't really say this, but this is just like what I picked up on is, is that, and maybe I'm totally off the mark here, but that sometimes patients come to you almost as like in addition to what they've done or they've tried all of these other things and that hasn't worked and now they're working with you. And it's interesting how, you know, you're saying, yeah, it it could be the flip side of that and it can have immense benefits in that way as well. Would you say that a lot of the patients that come to you are people that have tried a lot of other things already and this is kind of like their last resort or do you get a, a mixed bag? Yeah, I I would have to say that a lot of patients, it's, it's like with PT in a lot of ways, patients have tried a lot of things, the last resort is PT, Okay. All right, physical therapy, especially when it comes to acupuncture because people... I don't know if I if I told you this, but like when people think of PT, they think of exercise, movement, you know, there's no drugs. So there's, there can't be any ill side effect to that, right? Any kind of movement is medicine. Mm. Um, so for acupuncture, it's a little more abstract. It's a little more mm, like, what's that all about? People like to associate it to be very witchy woo. You know, you know, yeah. PT, I always use this analogy, like, 
when you think of PT, when you think of your doctor, it's like pizza. Everyone's had pizza, but what's the best slice of pizza, right? Mm. Like some people like pepperoni pizza. Some people like four cheese pizza and everyone's knows, but most people know what pizza tastes like. Yeah. So it's easy to kind of find where to get the pizza. But I look at acupuncture kind of like baba ganoush. Not everyone knows what baba ganoush is or how to make it. it looks a little bit foreign. Um, would I like it? Would I not? And for me, when I look at acupuncture as baba ganoush, I have to break down all the ingredients that go into baba ganoush and like where it comes from and why it's so great for you and how to complement it, you know, maybe not with your pizza, but with your pita bread or, you know, with your rice or as a side dish. Right. So yeah, I think a lot of people have never tried baba ganoush. So it's not selling, but having to just communicate in a really effective way to help people understand how baba ganoush looks and tastes. So Mm -hmm. how acupuncture feels and what are the benefits you're going to reap from it. And, um, you know, going back to your question, like, am I a last resort for a lot of people? Absolutely. People are willing to try the baba ganoush because they've had enough pizza. (laughs) So, (laughs) so they, they come to me. Um, I guess I'll share a story. Like what's really cool is I, I had a patient, you know, she had lived with immense amount of pain. I, I would say it was probably undiagnosed like fibromyalgia and she's lived an immense amount of pain and pain comes with like a little bit of that mental aspect of depression, right? Because Absolutely. if you, you are in so much pain, you can't live your life, right? Yeah, you can't and you don't focus. know how to break the cycle. You can't focus. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't really, she was my ideal patient because she wasn't into medications that the doctor was giving in their five to 10 minute visits. She tried the PT, it helped temporarily, but it just wasn't enough. And me being a PT, she would describe her PT to me and I, and I listened and I was like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, and I, and, you know, it was used by insurance. So that was a whole, a whole gamble for her and her, a family member convinced her to come see me. So this patient came to see me and you know, we went through an initial exam. She told me how much pain she was in. And at the very end, I, I always love to ask patients this, is that, well, I know you're here for me and for your pain or whatever condition, but what is it that you want to get back to? Like, cause, because we need to set some goals. And when you, people have goals, they have purpose. And when people have purpose, that's what energizes them to stay motivated. And, you know, some people think of me as like a form of therapy which is, which is cool, but you know, I'm not, I'm not a licensed, you know, you know, that kind of mental therapist, but it's cool. They see acupuncture as a form of medicine and therapy in of itself. You know, she was somebody who wasn't driving. She had her whole family, you know, and, you know, help her drive and cater. And, you know, they kind of accepted that. And uh, so when I asked her that question, she just said, I just want to be able to do at home housekeeping a little easier. So I saw her first session. The next time she came back, her pain went from like an eight out of 10 to like a four. And then she said, I thought a lot about what you said, Eileen, about what I really want to get back to. And she told me that she wanted to be able to drive by herself again. And um, she was in a really bad car accident. And a big part of her pain wasn't just being in pain, but also the fact that this car accident would trigger her pain as well. Mm. So we worked together for 
about a month, month and a half. And I gave her little homework assignments on how to drive and, you know, what I call graded exposure exercises. So just gradually exposing her back to driving in small steps, breaking it down into like little ladder steps. And uh, it got to a point where probably by month two, she was driving by herself across state lines to me (gasps) for acupuncture, which was really wonderful. And she was driving she was picking up her kids from school. Ugh. Her husband and her older son were like, are you okay? <laughs> like, do you need help? And she goes, nope, I got it. I'm fine. I feel great. You know? And, but can wow. you imagine like someone living with pain for like almost three years, not driving to a point where she's driving by herself wow. and she's returned to part-time work. So that's you know, amazing. Wait, wait, wait. We got to pause yeah. there. That This is an amazing <laughs> story. Like, this is huge because driving is a form of obviously, like, just freedom, right? Like, being able to... It's an independence. To, it's an sure. independence. And it's, you know, she's able to do things that she wasn't able to do anymore. And it kind of seemed like she might not ever get there, which is a very dark place to be for a human. Like, I'm not going to get into this right now, but real quick, like I had Lyme disease when I was 16. I couldn't walk for a month and Mm -hmm. for a good while, because doctors had no idea what I had, I thought I would never walk for the rest of my life because, you know, you go places in your head. So I'm just imagining that someone in this position where, you know, all of a sudden, she's not able to do that. Right. And for her to have that healing journey with you is so immense on so many levels. And I am so grateful for you for sharing that story, because I think to anyone listening out there, like just know that there are alternatives, there are options. And some of what you were saying also sounds a bit like coaching in some ways, which I am such a fan of, obviously, (laughs) like a little biased, but (laughs) hell yes. Um, And I'm curious, you know, what would you, what, what are the typical um, reasons why people go to you? And then to kind of like, it goes along with this question, but what would you say acupuncture can help with? You know, like what are the main things? What are the most common things that people come to you with? But then also what can it help with? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, So again, like most people come to me for pain. Mm -hmm. That's like our specialty, our bread and butter, Um, back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain. Um, But with all pain, comes with another set of issues, right? Like people don't just have pain. Pain can also manifest in the way that you can't sleep well. So people mm-hmm. start developing insomnia. Um, pain can also manifest in a way, again, like you're not able to do the things that you love, like drive, right? Or, you know, take on part-time jobs or, you know, sleep or not exercise. I would say 90% of my cases are pain. 10% are more internal issues. Like people need help with, um, you know, again, digestive period pains, I guess it's still a pain, but, you know, more women's health related things, 90% come with, with pain. But what I love about acupuncture is that it's such a cool medicine where it doesn't just treat pain, but every time 
I insert a needle into someone, it has a very systemic effect. So what that means is that it doesn't just change the way people perceive pain and raise the pain threshold, but I guess I should also rewind back a little bit about, you know, just helping people understand how acupuncture works. So acupuncture works in two main ways. One, it helps improve the blood flow of the body. There's a saying in Chinese medicine that when you have lots and lots of good blood flow, there's no room for disease or pain. And when there's disease and pain, that means there's some kind of issue with blood flow. We call it blood stagnation. Mm. And the second way of acupuncture works is that it helps reboot the nervous system. A lot of people living with chronic pain have a very low pain threshold and their brains are constantly, well, their body is constantly missigling back to the brain on the way people should perceive pain. So what, even though the tissue is all healed and looks nice and, you know, got all patched up from all the big traumatic events, it, we still hold issues in our tissues. So people still hold a memory onto that pain. And also that's what happens, you know, in the brain where there's a missigling of the way people are experiencing it. So mm-hmm. acupuncture helps reboot that whole nervous system and has a huge cascade effect where people perceive the pain differently and pain moves elsewhere where pain has always kind of stayed in the same spot. So again, I think that's what people mostly come to me for. But again, the medicine itself is very systemic. So again, going back to the needle, it increases the blood flow. It helps reboot the nervous system. And I've had patients who came to me for neck, shoulder, back pain, and they went for an annual follow-up with their doctor. And their doctors are like, wow, your blood pressure looks great. Your cholesterol levels are low. Like, what are you doing? You lost 10 pounds. You know, whatever you're doing, keep doing. That's what they (laughs) often say to them. And um, they'll come back and report it to me. I go, yeah, that was free. No, no charge. (laughs) (laughs) That was free. No extra charge. I love that so much. Oh, and it was so nice to just hear the layered um, definition of what acupuncture is because um, I've, I've done it several times. I go Mm -hmm. not as regularly as I would like to here in Argentina. And I I remember a few years ago when I was living in Brooklyn, I I went um, there and it was just, I, every time I leave an acupuncture session, I feel so good. I feel so good. (laughs) And it's exactly what I mean, I could have another podcast episode with you about um, my experience and then hearing like your <laughs> your feedback on it. But, you know, it's, it's just, it, it was a life changer for me because it, like you said, it affects your nervous system and I just felt calmer. I felt calmer. Yes. And that it's is- It's like you had a reset. Yes, yes. It's just the hypervigilance was- just no longer there after that session. And I've had different types of um, acupuncture. The the type of acupuncture I get here, they go a lot deeper and it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more painful. But Mm -hmm. the way they told me they do it is like they... I don't know what they do really, but, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's good. Um, 
And then, but it's a little bit more painful. And then the one I've done in New York, it's like this person was like darting (laughs) needles at me like so lightly and I didn't feel Mm -hmm. a thing and would feel like a cloud walking out of there. And so Mm. both have been amazing experiences. And I'm curious to know like, you know, because there's a lot of acupuncturists out there. There's obviously different styles, different techniques. I'm curious, what kind of acupuncture do you do? How would you describe it to someone, especially for people that are afraid of needles or any of that? Yeah, well, I'm so glad you asked that um, just to help you better understand what kind of acupuncture you may have experienced. (laughs) (laughs) There's different styles. There's different styles of acupuncture. So like, let's go back to the baba ganoush. Like there's different ways to make the baba ganoush, right? Some like a little more spicy, some like a little more mild. Um, And the people that are, you know, acupuncture is kind of catered to. it, It just, it's more, people love the payout more and for such a little bit of uncomfortableness initially. All right. I'm, I'm no, I won't lie. I don't think acupuncture is totally painless. I think like that's kind of deceiving. Um, People do feel a little prick, but I will say that like the size of the needle is nowhere near when you are getting like a vaccine shot, you know, like that kind of syringe gauge. Uh Um, You can actually fit about 20 to 30 acupuncture needles into one of those syringes. So just to give you a little perspective on that. Love that imagery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I write about it all the time. Very I, relevant till t- for today. So everyone yeah. listening out there, that was a great description yeah. there. You know, it's like, it's a, um, you know, what this, what is the sensation like? So the style that you've gotten initially the first time, potentially it could have been probably more Japanese style or the person was just more of a gentle needler. So the needle is usually just very shallow on the surface and the person probably most likely used thinner needles. Me personally, I like to use thinner needles on people just to see one, their reaction or response to it and just check in with them like, is everything okay? You know, whatnot. When people receive thicker needles, it's not I'm not talking about like again, like the syringes. That right, you get we're from talking. Like, <laughs> they're they're small. Just we're talking we're, about like yeah. 0.22 millimeter needles. <laughs> all right, so it's like very hair thin. Yeah, um, that's to usually get a greater effect, a net result on potentially maybe an acute case or someone who enjoys the deeper needling. So typically, when people feel more in an acupuncture session what they typically feel is more like intense tightness or cramping. That's very, very common. And I attribute that as to like, well, there's probably not a lot of blood flow to that area. And if there's not a lot of blood flow, that means tissues aren't being able to have appropriate oxygen and nutrient exchange, you know? So people will feel more of a sensation in the area, but over time, the more that you get acupuncture, a lot like exercise, you get a little bit desensitized or like if you feel really, really uncomfortable and you can't get over it, you can always ask your acupuncturist, like, is it possible that, you know, there, first of all, like tell them that you're uncomfortable and also get the possibility of whether they can use thinner needles too. Okay. 
So that's also an option. Some some people will needle what we call Chinese style, which is that thicker needle and more aggressive way of needling, but the usual outcome's a little quicker. Okay. So it's going to vary person to person. Like I have people who don't even react to needles. They go, oh, that's it. And I'm like, that's it. And they're like, okay, good night. And <laughs> I have people who I don't use more than 10 needles and I use the thinnest needles, like zero. 0.16 millimeter and for them that's it mm, mm. yeah oh, so I love that thank you so much because I've got to tell you I have told that story to so many people and I've gotten like eh. <laughs> you know and I'm like I don't even know why I'm sharing this with you but it's because um I love acupuncture so much that I've like shared it with so many of my friends that are not, you know, experts in the field. And so Mm -hmm. I've just always wondered about that. So thank you for going into detail because that explains it all. And I'm so excited to know that, you know, how I can potentially go into it with more information on the next session that I have and like what I can ask. That's really helpful. And then- absolutely. My next question is, what would you say you do to stay true to yourself while navigating the role of being a business owner and acupuncturist? Because obviously it's almost like, let's call it two roles in one, but we all know what's real. It's like a hundred. Right. <laughs> it's like a hundred. You're doing it's everything. Like I go to bed, I drive, and every minute I think about patient business, patient <laughs> business. Did I post? Did I not post? Okay. What do I have to do to market? Right. Acupuncture um, myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do. I did. I did that already today. Um, I, I but you know, I think how to like, do it for myself. <laughs> I, I can teach you acupressure, which we could talk about after oh, this podcast. I cannot It's, it's wait. a lot more comfortable. <laughs> I cannot wait. We will definitely get into that. So yeah. So how yeah. do you stay true to yourself while navigating these, you know, being a business owner and acupuncturist? Well, I think that for me, I wake up thinking about how I find balance in everything. And I guess that's a, my, a new mindset I, w- I would attribute adopting from acupuncture school I didn't so much adopt that when I was a PT, PT school. I feel like when I was a PT and especially my cohorts, like it was very type A, like go, go, go. Like, are we churning revenue in acupuncture school? The personalities are a little more like lax and I guess just more in tune with themselves. So it's really interesting to kind of experience both like realms of, you know, (laughs) types of career personalities. Um, mm-hmm. but so I guess like, listen, like I love being a clinician, like that's the easy part. I get to use my brain every day and solve problems, like things I can't solve. I research, I think, go to bed, I consult with other people in my profession. And it's a really, it's a really cool profession that constantly gives back to me, especially through other practitioner. But I would say like the business side of things, that's something no one has ever taught me. And like, not even school, right? Like, um, you, what was it? You take like the one like practice management class. You're like, yeah. all right, you're you're good to go. You're done. <laughs> like, good luck in the world, right? Um, so, yeah. so what I would yeah. say is like, when I started my business, I was a lost duck, you know, like, and all I could have done was just have the best plan that I had and just take the risk. And about like two months in, I I was really fortunate to find a few good mentors 
their names are Rebecca Ong and Jimmy Yen. They've been super awesome. And one's like a bit of a life coach. Uh, well, she is a life coach and and for small businesses and practices. And the other one is a coach that helps with the actual business. And it's really cool to see two people that want to see me succeed, you know, and whatever my goals are and however I want to live my life. So, you know, for that being said, like mentorship is really important when it comes to running a practice because running your own practice is super lonely. It's like really lonely and (laughs) you don't know what it's like until you do it yourself. Right. So when you get to meet other people that run other businesses, small businesses, like I am for it. Like I am supportive and they hear me vent. I hear them vent. And like when you run your own practice, like you have to constantly work hard and efficiently because it shows when you don't. And, but very importantly, I I don't think a lot of small businesses do is that they don't do enough check-ins with themselves. So for me, like I check in with myself every day, like, Hey, Eileen, you doing okay? Because the reality is, is that it's very easy to feel discouraged and to feel down. And, um, you know, in order for me to be a good clinician, help people, I have to take care of myself too, right? So, you know, I wear many hats. And that is the one way that, you know, that I would say, like, I stay true to myself while being a small business owner and being an acupuncturist, because I'll forever be a clinician, an acupuncturist, because I have such passion for it. But the business, I think it takes time for sure. And there's ways to expedite it. And there's ways to just also check in with yourself and be like, hey, it's okay. You don't have to get all that done today. There's tomorrow. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am loving this so much. You know, what I heard from that is community, finding support, like not being afraid to, you know, find people in your corner that are going to support you, that can help you. And I absolutely love the check-in and the communication, like the dialogue that you have with yourself daily. And this is something that I talk about with my clients because Mm -hmm. essentially it's like what you do is not who you are, you know? And I think that it's not always about like, in the society we live in oftentimes and like just from going to school and just how things are set up it's like your success is like what you do and how fast you got to where you got and it's like (laughs) that's just how often do you see people that are in super high positions making a lot of money but they're actually really unsatisfied with themselves, their life um, and other things and relationships because there's no connection. Everything is so transactional in how they behave. And so I love that you talked about checking in and literally asking yourself, how am I today? What's going on? Like, what what might I need, you know? Um, well, you know, I tend to do that for my patients. Why not do that for myself, right? Exactly. Like money makes people, I feel like money makes people very behavioral. Yeah. And hey, like more power to people who want to build businesses that are, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, practices or whatever. Like, that's amazing. Like, yeah, I sure. have such immense respect for that. Um, but one thing that I've kind of thought of, um, and also my my coach has always said to me, well, can you be happy with 20,000 as much as you are with 200,000? And 
that at the end of the day, is that, is that going to change the way you want to run your business or the way you want to look out for yourself in life? And I thought to myself, like, yeah, I I think I could be happy with either or as long as I'm happy because, hey, we know money isn't, money can bring a lot of happiness, but it's not everything. Absolutely. It's a tool and it's a tool and it's a commodity, but it's nor good or bad, right? It's just, and and it absolutely makes your life easier, but I think that, and that's a whole, that can be another thing, you know, it's like our relationship to money and all of that and how we think about it, because all of us have some sort of money story based on how we were brought up and how it was introduced to us. But I think that it's like what you were saying, it's about checking in with what is it that you want to be doing? And how is it that you want to be doing it? How do you want to be spending your time? How do you want to be growing, expanding? Success means so many different things. And I think when you check in with yourself, you remind yourself of your innate why and the reason behind why you're actually doing what you're doing. Um, So cheers to that, Eileen. It's so cool to see (laughs) you expanding in this field. And I can't wait to learn more from you and to have you do acupuncture on me. And um, for all of the, you know, future people, clients that, you know, will be working with you, they're very lucky because like I said, you keep it real. um, And this has been a part of your life since you were young. It's really nice to see you where you are today. And I guess my last question for you before we get off is, what would you say to someone that's interested in becoming an acupuncturist and that they're not sure where to start? Well, if you're interested in becoming an acupuncturist or Chinese medicine practitioner, you want to have the right kind of mindset going into it. So if you're someone who likes to give back to yourself, and, you know, values health and seeing the way people heal and also just being able to appreciate the fact that like this is a medicine that's very different from mainstream, you know, way of doing things. I would say that in order to get into it, you just want to be able to be able to check off the boxes of, you know, am I someone who is passionate and also compassionate? you know, to myself and to others. Mm. Um, If they want to get into this type of work in terms of the acupuncture and and Chinese medicine, I think that it's a very big leap to take and to get more exposure and understanding of what you're going to get into. It's good to read up on some books about Chinese medicine as well. One of my favorite is The Web That Has No Weaver. And um, another favorite is um, a Tao book. And also just kind to understand how to cultivate like meditation into your practice as well. Um, This is a medicine that really requires you to be, you know, to have a lot of humility and that you can enjoy the science, but also the art of how how the human body works. So this medicine is not for you if you want to 
get some instant gratification. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you want to, you want to see instant results with the Botox fillers, prescription (laughs) painkillers, but it's a very, very powerful medicine when used the right way. So yeah, that's the kind of advice I would give to the schooling is very long. So that's why I'm very big on like, well, you know, you have to be the right kind of personality and also have a lot of patience in not understanding a lot of what you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like really having an open mind, you know, being compassionate, like you said to yourself, because the journey can be challenging, but you know, also just having a genuine interest and having a growth mindset. That's what I'm really hearing is is just... It's a medicine that gives back to you for a lifetime. You know, like I see the way my mom gets to treat herself, the way I treat myself, which is really cool. We treat each other. So that's what I really love about it. I think like we avoided a lot of really serious, you know, illnesses and, and issues because of it. So again, like a medicine that you're able to carry with you. It's super portable. Like everyone's going to inquire about the Baba Ganoush and want to know like <laughs> what's going on, who made what. <laughs> I love the Baba Ganoush. Yeah. The Baba Ganoush. Like pizza, people get bored of pizza, right? People get yeah. pizza every single day, but like people want to know like, well, is there something better out there yeah. that I don't fit with the mainstream? And eventually like I like to see Chinese medicine become more mainstream too. People have, actually called me and turned to me and, and asked me, Hey, like, are you able to help me with this? And I'm like, you know, and I tell them the truth, like, yes or no. Yes, I yeah. can help you. Nope. You should go to back to your actual medical doctor for that one. Mm. Um, but that's what I love about it. Yeah. And I think it is going mainstream with the way things are changing. And I would, you know, I know from following you on Instagram and seeing your cool videos, I, I always have so much fun learning about acupuncture and the type of work you do. So where can people find you? What's the best um, way for people to get in touch with you if they're interested in having a session or a consultation? So people can find my engaging content on Instagram. I pretty much post consistently at a new A-N-E-W dot A-C-U. That's a new ACU. Mm-hmm. And for my website, it's www.anewintegrative.com. And uh, if people are interested in getting a session with me, you could DM on the website or on Instagram, or you can email me at info at anewintegrative.com. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Eileen, thank you so much for being here today. I could have kept talking about this all day. So I think this is a good place to end, but this was amazing. I think this is going to help a lot of people. I definitely learned even more about it, having had done acupuncture. And I'm just so excited to highlight you and the work that you're doing. So keep on being awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I will see you soon. Great. Thank you so much, Caroline. Bye. Absolutely.